Well, hello, hockey fans, and welcome back again to the Bees Radio Network podcast. This is episode number 21. We are rolling on to the end of January. The money is running out for people in their pockets. It's only another week until payday. Another week and a bit if you get paid at the end of the month, uh, like so many do. But we're here to bring you a wealth in terms of knowledge. And as ever, joining alongside me, Mark Denham. Mark, how are we this evening? Hello, Graham. I'm all right. How are you? Um, Yeah, I think that's the best way of describing it. it? Obviously, subdued, I think, is very much the feeling around around fans of the TSI World Bretnell Bees at the moment because it was a pointless weekend, unfortunately, with defeats coming against the uh, Basing State Bison and the whole Pirates and... Two very contrasting games, I think it's fair to say. Let's Mark, you weren't in Basingstoke on Saturday night. Congratulations for not being there Um, (laughs) because it was very disappointing. And my frustration with Saturday is the number of times I've said it can't get any lower this season. It can't get, this is the point where it can't get any, any worse. And I must have said it three or four times. And what keeps happening is it just gets worse. And uh, it's a real sort of knock and it's a real blow. That that third period and the way it ran away from the team and it just, it's, it's, it, it, that it's got to be the low because it really was a massive disappointment. At the end of the second, 3-1, we haven't played brilliantly, but the seven minutes at the end of the second had gone our way. And then we came out in the third and, and it was just, it was just flat. And, I look back at the podcast. We look back, although, do you remember episode one and episode two and episode three? Yeah. We were full of hope and confidence and, and, and enjoyment. And I said, my caveat for this season is we're maybe not going to be the most talented team on paper, but I think we're going to be the hardest working team. I think we're going to be the team to bring energy every shift, every night. And the issue is, if we don't bring that energy, we're, we're nowhere near the team we can be. And unfortunately, Saturday night, the energy just was not there. And as a result, we're not there as a team. And that's why we have to eat an 8-2 defeat. And it hurts. It's a local rival. And, and there's lots of history that go with it as well. But that, that hurt because you know this team can be better than that. But to deliver that low energy performance, it just leaves a hollow feeling in your stomach. Well, it's not the first time it's happened this year either, is it? Unfortunately, against Basingstoke, it's also happened at the Hive, where that one was a a 9-2. And I thought that we had an okay start in that game, because you weren't at that one. I thought we had an okay start. And then the energy just dropped. And you could see, as the goals went in against, the energy dropped that little bit more, which just didn't help at all. And I'm guessing from what you're saying, kind of a similar situation, a better start... Uh, you know, and still in the game at the 40-minute mark, but then the energy dropping off further in the third period as the goals racked up. Yeah, it, it, as you say, like the week before against Leeds on the road on the Saturday, low energy, and we we got what we deserved from the game. And you know what? You've got to then look to the next night, and it would have been very easy to sit there and stack up before the game all the issues that were with this team. You're down your starting netminder following a collision. You're down another D-man. So you're you're down to three D-men on the ice with Harvey Stead, Eddie Nags, and Luke Jackson, who's young and learning and developing in his career. 
you just just sat there and you're like, okay, you can make every excuse in the world if you want to. Josh Ely Newman obviously suspended as well for the game. You could make every excuse and they could have easily have just hung the washing line up and said to the pole pirates, come through us, come blow through us. Instead, delivered a very solid performance. Now, obviously, you look at the scoreboard, it's 6-3 and you're thinking, ha that's gone wrong for Bracknell there, hasn't it? What a horrible game for them. Really, it's a 3-4 game with two rolls of the dices and two empty net goals, including one of the most fortunate deflections you're ever going to see to send James Archer in for maybe the easiest goal he's ever going to score. You can't fault the effort that went in the next night and maybe the final product wasn't there and you have to look at those five on three power plays and you have to look at the five on four power play and realise the opportunities weren't taken. But it was a it was a trend in the right direction that going into this weekend's game and in particular the crunch clash in Romford on Saturday, that performance needs to be delivered again in the game on Saturday because that is now a humongous four-pointer. Well, it is. I mean, last week we were in the driving seat. We were in eighth place and it was ours to lose. And we did. Now, obviously for the Raiders, they're going to know, right, we've got our noses in front. They are obviously a game ahead of us as well. So we do have a game in hand, but we don't win that game in hand. It means nothing. So what it's going to come down to now, I think, is these clashes with the Raiders first and foremost, and also picking up as many points as we can against other teams as well in the close. These games are massive. Now, I don't know how many of the bodies we'll have back on Saturday. Obviously, Joe Baird, Stuart Mogger injured, Adam Goss injured as well. Uh, and then you've got Adam Goss, uh, who is injured. Uh, and I've just said that, so I'll repeat myself. But you've also got Josh Ely Newman as well, who got a match penalty. All match penalties go before discipline. And that's something I want to come on to in a, uh, a little bit. But they all go bef- uh, before discipline. So we don't know as yet how long it is until he'll be back, hopefully on Saturday. These are now massive, massive must-win games. There's no bring the energy and compete. It is bring the energy, compete and win. Because if we want, you know, if we want to be uh, looking for bargains on the golf clubs, then doesn't matter if we win Saturday or not. But if we want to get something from this season and try and strive for a place at Coventry for a second year in a row, we need to be beating the Raiders, not just on Saturday, but in every meeting between them. And as I said on the stream last night, we can only control our controllables. If we're playing the Raiders, obviously we can make them lose by winning. but. If we don't beat them, we can't control their results. They've already got eighth place. We haven't. So we can't control any other of their results other than the ones we're playing in. We have to control our own controllables. And that is the games against Basingstoke and the other teams that we still have left to play this year. We have to be knocking those. I'm going to say this because obviously this weekend it didn't work out that way. But those one goal games that we're coming out on the wrong end of, we need to be coming out on the right end of those. You know, there's been so many of them this year that are so close and we've left frustrated because we've lost in a single goal game. Those need to be turned around as well as winning those games with the Raiders because just winning our own games isn't enough now if the Raiders also win their own games. We need to beat the Raiders and then if we can beat the Raiders in our games, we need to be racking up as many points as we can This week coming is an absolute fantastic time to bag the first four-point weekend of the season. Give us back the eighth spot 
then it's ours to lose again as the running gets closer. Yeah, and the stats on this uh, kind of astounded me this season. So, uh, so far this campaign, the Bees have been involved in 17 one-goal games. Yeah. We've lost 10 of them. That's not the side you want to be on of that one. You want to be on the positive side of that one. And that maybe is the little bit of difference at the moment. As you say, you turn that the other way around, that six points extra on the board, and we're knocking on still not where you want to be in terms of knocking on seventh, sixth in the league, because obviously you have aspirations to be higher, but it's certainly a much more stronger position than being where we are right now. And it's it's funny how you look back on a week, a week ago, I sat on this podcast and I said, we've taken back eighth place in the league. And I'll say it now to you. I don't think we're going to drop it again this season. Ah, commentators kiss of death. How are you? Uh, because here we are back down in ninth and, Having worked hard to get back in there with that great result last weekend against Peterborough, it's sort of all gone to waste this weekend, sadly, because it's you've got to turn your home into a fortress you've, and, and take nothing away from Hull. And actually take Hull are a very good lineup. I, I, I think we maybe have not seen the best of uh, Matt Bissonnet last night. I thought he was very quiet. I think uh, but they've got so much talent with Chamberlain, with Maddie Davies, Hewitt, with with Norris, with all their guys, I think we did a very good job of shutting it down, especially that three-man core. And at times, obviously, other guys were dropping back there. But Harvey Stead and in, and Eddie Nags, I think, had two really strong games defensively. I'd love to know on a clock how many minutes Eddie Nags iced last night and also how much Harvey Stead iced as well, because... I feel for Harvey. Harvey. I think he was robbed last night as well of the beers. I'm going to be honest on that. You know, I yeah. understand why it happened, but... Man of the match is supposed to be the player of the match as opposed to the emotional decision. No disrespect to Vanya. I thought Harvey should have had the beers last night. Possibly Danny Milton, but for me, it would have been Harvey if I was left to pick. Yeah, and I th- it was my choice as well because I think Harvey just, especially when Eddie got that 2 plus 10 boarding call that, I mean, pff, one day, some days you're going to get him, some days you're not. Um, and unfortunately for Eddie, he picked the 2 plus 10. So all of a sudden that's a 12-minute penalty for the bees effectively down to two D men when you, you really have to rotate around the players that you've got and how they're going to perform. And I think they, I think Harvey did a very good job there. Luke did, um, continued Let's his development as well. Harvey's assist as well for Dominic guys goal. Yeah. That it was, was a it, fantastic pass. That was, you know, behind his goal line to Dominic waiting on the opposition blue line. It was tape to tape, allowing Dominic to go in and finish. That was yeah, a great play. I think from, Someone who is showing that the responsibility he's now getting is allowing him to play his game more freely. He's not scrapping for shifts anymore. He has a regular shift. And I think we're seeing like Harvey now maturing and everybody in Bracknell has seen him for a good few years now. Yeah, he's got potential. He's got potential. He's got potential. He's showing it, especially these last few games as well, where we've been short of Joe Baird. We've been short of Stuart Mogg. A lot of pressure has dropped onto Harvey Stead's shoulders and he has soaked it up and he has gone out there and shown, hey, look, I belong on this team and I belong with regular shifts. Fair play to him. Yeah, no, exactly. And it, 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 it's, it's that horrible thing. And uh, it's something I think we're going to come on to ourselves in a minute is just a little bit of hot and cold on this because obviously we could, every week this season, we've done 21 episodes of this. We've covered about 18 of them with matches. And every week we, we've been positive. We've looked for the 
we well I say we you've been on every episode I've sort of taken ones off from time to time and we've had to bring in uh, Richard Brown thank you Richard for covering thank you, Richard, for your yes. cover of covering a bees TV um but on the whole we're positive we have to we have to we we look at it positively and I, I still feel positive about the side we're going to make the playoffs I still think I still go back to what I said last week. I think anybody does fear this team in the league. Anybody can beat anybody. You saw it this weekend, top V bottom, and the Chiefs come away with the victory, not even on their home ice in Leeds. So, and it really can be. And then the Raiders beating MK as well. Like anyone can beat anybody in this league. And I do think if we get into the playoffs and if we play to our capabilities as a hardworking side, we're going to cause a problem for whoever may be the leaders of the league. It may be Telford. It may be. Swindon by then because they seem to have picked up on a run and we've had tight games of Swindon this year as well I think we have got the ability still to compete with those teams but in order to compete with them we need to get to the dance right now we're 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 outside in the car just waiting to pick up the prom day at the moment and we're not sure if we want to pick her up yet I think that's part of the problem um we're sort of trying to make a decision and uh, I, I think we need to we keep saying it we need to turn this potential into a realization Performances like Saturday do not help that, quite simply. Do not help the predicament that we are in. And we need to get out of that. And I think, yep, positive enough Sunday. We didn't get the win, didn't get the points. Everything now needs to build to Saturday and then Sunday and then the weeks following. There are 18 or 19 games left in the season. We've got the Raiders five times. If you count each of those games as potential four-point swings, effectively, five times four, that's 20-point swingers on the table with just the Raiders alone. If you win three or four of them, you're in a really good position to really drive up the table. Mm -hmm. And I think this is where the focus needs to be. Get building to these positions, winning against the Raiders, get the form going, you'll pick up results elsewhere. We've still got Sheffield twice, we've still got Basingstoke to come here twice, which I know sounds ludicrous for me to say after Saturday, but they're still to come into our building and play. Get these performances going, get the train rolling, and there's a chance. But to do it, there has to be energy with each and every shift. Yeah, there does. Now, you know, get the form going. We have, but we just haven't done it consistently. Consistency has lacked in this team, sadly, from the start this year. And we have shown some great form. You know, we, we've beaten Telford. We've beaten Basingstoke. We've beaten Peterborough. We've beaten Swindon. We can beat anyone in this league if the form gets going. And when it has, it's done well. We've struck Our longest winning streak, however, this season is two games. And that is a great contribution to why we are in ninth place in this table. Because everybody else has put together at least three game winning streaks in this season with perhaps the exception of the least chiefs although they may have done as well everybody else has and that's where that why they're higher than us form has come but just not lasted there hasn't been consistency and we've done say you know we've we we've beaten peterborough who are a fantastic team all round all over the ice they are good and yet we lost to Leeds. And you would say, how? That's crazy. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way to Leeds, but if you were going to take two points from that game when you were a betting man, you would surely have said it was the two points from Leeds that were the more nailed on yep. than the 
ones from the Phantoms. Arguably, if you've got the talent to beat Telford, to beat Swindon, to beat Peterborough, to beat Basingstoke, you've also got the talent to go out there to beat Leeds, uh, to beat Romford. The Raiders. The Raiders. The Raiders. You've got the talent to go out there and beat Sheffield. You've got the talent to go out there and beat Milton Keynes. There needs to be some form of consistency, and it needs to happen now. The time is now, you know, like the time has come to push the button. Not check the Spotify hits, but the time has come to push the button. Um, Now, it's got to happen. It's got to happen now. We can't say any longer, okay, it'll come good. You know, we need to start hitting form. We don't need to start hitting form. That needs to happen in training this week. And then on Saturday, we need to go out and we need to hit form from the first drop of the puck. None of this couple of minutes off at the start of the game, which has got us burnt on more than one occasion this year. We need to go out there. We need to hit form. We need to battle for every puck. We need to do the smart things well, and we need to take the chances when they come. That starts Saturday, and it has to carry on because we need to get on a roll to not just gain eighth place, but to put a margin of safety between eight and nine and maybe strive for seven. Yeah, and uh, you know, and the, the point you're saying there about hit form and, and and battling for the puck and all this has been one of the things that's slightly frustrated me following uh, last night's game and reading some of the comments across social media of there's no fight in this team anymore. They don't hit, they don't fight, they don't do this. We've gone over this many a time here, but here's like a little bit of a truth bomb I think needs to be told to people. Last night, you are down on bodies against a quick skating, quick counter-attack team. Yeah. You have to play smart hockey. You have to play not to their strengths. You go out there and try and hit the whole Pirates off the ice. They're going to tear you apart for shreds. They're going to pick you up, and the game would have gone away from us before then. You have to play smart. You have to play the percentages, which is exactly what they did. It's a one goal. Bar these two empty netters at the end, it's a one goal game. And that is down to the players playing the smart way. Because if you sit there and you start throwing stupid hits about the ice, you're going to expose opportunities. And where we were getting three-on-three back checks against the Pirates' um, counter-attacking style, all of a sudden that would become three-on-two and they'd have the extra man over and they'd be able to finish it wherever they want. You have to play smart. You've got down on bodies. Guys are logging big ice time. They're going to have a lot of energy in their legs. They're going to be tired mentally. It's going to be everything like that. They have to play smart. There's no point charging across the ice to try and check the guy into the oblivion. He ducks it, dances around you, and can fire a puck into the slot where there's two men waiting to bury the rebound. You have to play smart, which is what they did last night. And yeah, sure, in the end, it's a defeat. And I'm looking here and people go, oh, you're just trying to pick up small crumbs. No, what I'm saying to you is the situation with the team of injuries dictated that it needed to be a smarter performance. That was what was delivered, and that is what managed to keep the game as close as it was, rather than maybe seeing it run away from us in the first period. The thing with the Pirates is they are probably the best transition outfit in the league. With the speed and the experience that they have, they have a great transitional play, and it happens almost regardless of what you're doing. It happens. You have to play very, very smart to break it up. And as you say, you could go charging across the ice to smash a player. But number one, he's probably already handed the puck off. And number two, you're then going to get done for a late hit 
or potentially a boarding call, which is, as we saw yesterday, you know, that caused problems yesterday with an already short D, Ed Nags, 12 minutes off the ice. And we watched, didn't we? We watched at every blur of the whistle. He must be back soon. He must be back soon. And we watched it happen yesterday, time and time again. Is he back on the... No, no, not yet. Got to be the next one. Oh, no, not this one. And it has to be a smart game as well. Like, you know, there are... I'm going to come on to this, actually, I wasn't at the game. I'm going to come on to it when we say yeah. a, uh, a smart game. Uh, and I'll, get, I'll, I'll ask your opinion on this because you were obviously there. Talking of a smart game, the game on Saturday <laughs> in Basingstoke, we're out of the game. Uh, yeah, you probably do know where this is going. Josh Ely Newman picks up a match penalty. Um, is that the smart gameplay? Now, I'm, you know, I don't want to single out Josh because Josh has been a revelation since he came into this team. He has done everything that Doug has asked of him and more. But then obviously Josh was one of the missing bodies yesterday, a healthy scratch due to a suspension. Is that doing the smart things? Right. Let, let, let me talk you through how I saw this play out because it played out right in front of me during the third period. Uh, Liam Morris and Josh um, got involved in what can only be described as a stick duel on the ice, both giving a little dig into one another and at which moment conversation occurred where it's like, you want to go then? Do you want to go? Yeah, of course I want to go. So drop Josh drops his gloves. The only issue is Liam decided not to drop them and, and took the blows and went down. And I think the officials saw that. I think they threw, saw through that because they immediately gave out two minutes for roughing each way. There was they saw that they gave the 10 minutes sorry, two minutes for slashing sorry yeah. they gave the 10 minute roughing to Josh because Liam one did not drop his gloves two did not throw a blow no problem with that whatsoever perfectly understandable and move on with that that's fine he then does pick up this match misconduct for an obscene gesture now yeah it occurred I didn't see it but the officials obviously saw it and there wasn't mass complaint about it was it the smart thing to do? No. Um, and immediately at the end of the game, Josh was apologetic to all the players for it. And that maybe that's just a little bit of the step up from the Hornets to the Bees. Is that sort of thing in a four-man system is just going to get caught. And there's no point when guys are getting assessed. And it, I mean, we're talking about it being a time for us to reach the playoffs. It's a time for the referees to hit the playoffs as well. Ken Taggart was in the uh, in the arena on Saturday night as well. So Ken would have had, if Ken had seen it, he would have been calling out the officials for it. So it was a little bit of an unsmart play. It was a little bit of an, a, a frustrating play. And I can understand where the frustration came from because of the, the, the situations that occurred before it. And as you say about Josh, I, I commented on it before the start of the game. I said, Josh hasn't registered a penalty minute for this team yet. Mm. He's played very smart. He's played, he's played tough. He's played aggressive, but he's played to the line perfectly. And then he picks up a lot of points all in one moment. And we interested to see what discipline do. Obviously, Josh has had one ban earlier in the season as well. So there might be some penalty point accumulation that comes into this as well. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how many more he sits. So, yeah, I can't sit here and go, it wasn't, it's not the smartest thing he's ever done. But I can understand the frustration with it, sadly. Um, well, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to single out Josh because I have been incredibly <laughs> impressed with, a, the skill that he's shown, and B, the work ethic, and C, the ability to do whatever is asked of him. He has been a brilliant addition to this B's lineup, and I don't want to single him out at all 
for one match penalty. I think that would be unfair, but unfortunately, when we were already short, it was another body that was missing, wasn't it? Yeah, indeed. And then in the, it's a moment that happens in the game, and obviously the five-minute power play, well, what was this? A, a two-minute five-on-three followed up by another three minutes of five-on-four. The Bison only scored one goal during that time. So frustrating, um, and maybe not the damage that did follow on it afterwards, and maybe not the best thing to occur. Um, let's. I'm, I'm, I want to move on to sort of the main point, and this is going to be how we're going to wrap up this week's podcast because just before do, we get on to how we're going to wrap it up, there is something else which I've not said to you actually because we do have a little chat before we start this. I've not said to you I was going to throw this out. Discipline. I want to talk about discipline just for a moment because. Obviously, this ties in really with uh, Josh's penalty. Being a match penalty automatically goes before the discipline panel. Josh cannot play again now until discipline clear him to play by either saying, yeah, we're taking no further action or whether they work out the tossing up of penalty points, if that's applicable, or whether they do add some supplementary onto it. But in terms of discipline, we've seen players receive bans this year uh, let's talk Brendan Baird, shall we? Let's talk, you know, other players who have received four game bans for abusive official. Then you get this incident in Telford where a player uses his helmet to hit someone else and that also receives a four-match ban. How can this be? You know, like, fair enough, you should respect the officials and if you call the official a naughty name, then you probably will get an abusive official and that shouldn't happen. But that's not the same on the travesty of wrongness as clobbering another player with your helmet. Yeah, I'm... Not the first time we've seen that either. I remember seeing that happen in Slough a few years ago where the player uh, claimed that the, the helmet got stuck on his hand. Well, and do you know what as well? Watching the... Uh, having seen the incident back on videotape, um, I do get the impression a little bit of that does happen. The helmet comes off and as he swings, he grabs it and hits the guy. Because immediately after he does it, there's not much blows after that. It's almost like McKinney realised, oh, I've made a bit of a mistake here, haven't I? Yeah. And I'm trying to work out if that may be just what he's like. You know what? And I, look, Mark, have you ever been in a fight like that? I've never been. I've, I can't play hockey. I can't skate. So I've never been yeah. in a fight where there's been a helmet involved. No. Yeah. I, I, and that's I may the have thing. been naughty once or twice at school, but I wasn't wearing a helmet at the time it Ex- broke out. Exactly. And I'm trying to think of it's the old, the red mist descends, isn't it? And in that moment, you're swinging, you're punching, you're obviously, you've got fight or flight going on as well in your yeah. mind because you're like, it could be coming back my way as well. I don't, and in that moment, you see something come and you just throw your hand and you punch and you hit, and it just so happens it's the helmet that all of a sudden you've clobbered the guy with because in the red mist at that moment, when you maybe haven't got full control of what you're doing, you lob the, you hit the other guy with the helmet. Um, but I agree with the discipline front that they seem to, we've given a four game ban there, which, okay, smacking someone with a helmet is the same as trying to come through in the slot and break up a shot with a slash. Uh, that's the bit I'm struggling to understand. Like, how are the how is the IHA looking at those and going four games? It's almost back to the ludicrous days going back many years with the IHA. There was a great time around about 2012 where every penalty, if you put in for an appeal against the penalty, it just got halved. Yeah, and it became, it became ludicrous, didn't it? Guys were getting eight game, ten game bans, and then the next week it is now a five game ban following the appeal. This player's picked up a three-game ban. It is now a one-game ban following the appeal. 
we've gone away from those days, but I do think I do think there's an issue in discipline um, where it does need sorting and it does need just tidying up for consistency's sake. Yeah, that fair. That's fair. Now that I've taken us back off, uh, now that I've taken us off track, you can bring us back if you want. Well, no, because it, it, it comes on to what we're calling the hot or cold segment a little bit of the show. And first time we've ever really tried to do a feature, but uh, we're going to give it a go and see how it goes. Because uh, there are things that are very good in Bratnall at the moment. There are some things that aren't so good at the moment as well. There's also stuff that is very 50-50 in the middle. And you can easily take a negative perspective on it, or you can easily take a positive perspective. Should have really called it positive or negative, shouldn't I, rather than hot yeah. or cold. Yeah, we won't worry about that. Or we you know, could call the, it, for a hockey term, we could call it plus minus. See, you see, this is why you're the ideas person and I'm just, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, I'm just the speaking man, um, I think it's fair to say. So, hot, positive, negative, plus minus, hot or cold, name it whatever you want. It's what it's going to be because... I'll start with something very positive. Um, I'll start with something I feel has been a real positive this season, which has been the junior players. And I say junior players with like touching wood like this, because it's not 16, 17 year olds. It is slightly older players, but it is the youth players finally coming into the bees and finding their feet. And this is going to benefit us in the long run. You look someone like Slava Kulikov when he took over at Peterborough, He had to develop and inherit this young core. And that's what he's been able to do year in, year out. He's now going to his Peterborough juniors and taking maybe one or two players each year, likes of Nathan Long, Jarvis Hunt, Bradley Bowring and uh, Joseph Gretton, stepping them up into the senior side because he's got other young players that he's brought through previously. Um, The likes of... I realise sisters came in from elsewhere, but you've got guys like Will Weldon who've been there for years. You've got the Ferrara brothers who've been there for years. You've got Robson, you've got Norton, you've got all these guys who just, in, in and Glenn Billing even, all these guys who have just built the core. And I think that's what you're going to see with this Bees team down the line. And they're all learning right now. You look at all those players and how they have developed over the season. And I'm going to include the likes of Harvey Stead and Eddie Nags, who are learning from being young D-men to being senior D-men on a team. They're making great strides in 2020, the pair of them. But you go even further down, Zach Milton's continuing his development, Will Stead, Josh Ely Newman. Uh, the, the list really is endless there of the guys who are coming in as juniors and getting this ice time and getting this development, trying to play catch-up, which is a positive for the side moving forward. I can't disagree with a word of that. I honestly can't. And I think that that has been fantastic this year. I would say, on the other hand, though, I'll counter that with the the negative. I'm not going to mention names here, but I think there are just a, a few players who maybe have not played to their, and it's a word we've used a lot, potential this year. A few players who just need to look in the mirror and say, hey, look, I have got, more in the tank than I have given so far this year. I'm pretty certain no player has gone in and said, I'm going to play at 90%. But those players, though, are just obviously ticking at 90% rather than 100%. And if they could switch on, if they could hit their potential that they were signed to hit, then we wouldn't be an eighth-place team, I think, right now. You know, Um, there's been... There's been obviously at the start of the season, we missed an import when Robin Kovar was out for a long time. Robin didn't really work out for us. 
he's working out okay in Milton Keynes. Sometimes that happens. But, you know, we were out and in port at the start when Robin was injured. <coughs> We've brought in Dominic, and that has been a great addition to the team. But I just think if everybody had played to the potential that Doug had signed them believing he would get, then we would not be an eighth place, ninth place team. We wouldn't be competing for that last playoff spot. We would be up there at the other end of the table. And I think that that has been probably the biggest disappointment because last season, Doug came in, signed a team, and we got to Coventry. First time in 10 years at Coventry. Great achievement. And there was great hope. There was great belief. And some of those players that were at Coventry last year in the black, white, and gold have not played their 2018-19 seasons the same as they are currently playing their 2019-20 seasons. Yep. And that has been a little bit of a disappointment, I think. Yeah, and it's funny, you make the point that I I really have the, the biggest frustration with. And I'm uh, I, when you talk about the players ticking along at 90% or, or, or in that area, I think those guys are giving 100% of what they can give. But I don't think they've, they're at 100% of the player. And I think mm. it can come down to the work they put in during the off-season. And you do see this so many times. And it's one of the greatest frustrations in hockey. And it happens at every club. You get these... You sometimes get to a situation where players, they work hard to achieve their dream. And their dream can be to play at Coventry. Their dream can be to win a league title, to win a playoff, etc. And once they've reached that dream and once they've achieved that, it tails off over the off season. And you don't maybe, you know what, I really put in the effort last year in the gym and I got that, I got that private trainer and I did this and I did that and I, I got absolutely flying. And then the next season they don't. And then they come into the start of the season and they wonder, well, hang on here, I'm not as, I'm not as quick as I was last year. Oh, it will come, I'm, I'm fine. And before you know it, it's November and you're playing fitness catch-up where you're at the point in November where everybody else was in September, maybe. And actually, they were at it in August. So actually, you're even further behind. And as a result, you're just constantly playing catch-up on fitness. It was a problem in the team last year as well with certain players. It has to be said. Last season, there were guys who were out of shape, uh, badly out of shape at times. And it, and it paid the fitness that we couldn't run with a team for 60 minutes. And I said this season, the team I on paper... I think that showed in the semi-final, didn't it, at Coventry? Correct. And I said, coming into this season, we've got a team that are going to play you for 60 minutes. I think certain players can't go for 60 minutes and have been playing catch-up all year long to get themselves back to a point of fitness where they can play that 60 minutes all game long. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's tough because, you know, we are, we've mentioned this in the last couple of podcasts, we are not the EPL anymore. And... I did say last week, didn't I? It'd be nice if this was the um, if this was the EPL and if players were getting full time jobs out of it, then there could be no excuse for not putting in that off ice training, both in the summer when you can you can bulk up and strengthen up in the summer as long as you don't do that at the sacrifice of your speed, you can do that. But obviously, also in the season, you can work out regularly in the season as well, so you are playing, training and off-ice training as well. If it was a full-time job, then that would be much easier and there would be no excuse. But it's not, sadly, and we have to work around that. However, some players have worked around it, and I'm not just talking about within our team here as well. I think from my observation of the season so far, some players 
have worked around this better than others. And I think that does show. Yeah. And uh, and we've got to be honest as well. The league is a different league this year as compared to last year as well. You haven't got an off night in the league this year. You haven't got, oh, we're playing Cardiff. We're playing Invicta. Maybe we don't have to, oh, I get it. Those were frustrating games for the players to be playing in. Those are, and the MK Thunder, for example, those are long gone. So if you thought the league this season coming into it was going to be exactly the same as what it was last season, I think they've learned a harsh lesson. Lesson. Now, don't doubt me. I still think the guys here are talented enough. And it comes back to what we said at the start of the podcast. If you don't have that energy, you're not the same player. I'm going to say the one player throughout my whole, when I watched him throughout his career, when he had the energy, he could compete. But if he didn't have the energy and he didn't have the speed and he had sometimes terrible luck with injury, it didn't go right for him. And that was Grant Rounding. Yeah. Grant Rounding, when he had the energy, when he was, when he was flying, when he had put the work in and he, he went out on the ice and he gave 110% and he really battled. He could be the most buzzing player on the ice and be a nuisance and do a really good job. But if he came on the ice and it just wasn't quite clicking and it wasn't quite there, he was always half a stride behind. He was always just that little bit of step off the play. And that's the difference. And Grant is a guy who tries to keep himself in shape, but he would even say himself, some, if he didn't have the energy, he wasn't the same player. Yeah. And he, and, uh, again, look, never, never played a game of hockey in my life. Never skated it. I don't, and as you say, players don't go out there not trying to give 100%. But if you don't give yourself the potential to be at 100% and you slightly handcuff yourself, it's going to cause some problems. It's the same in any sport. Um, and it, it's a negative and it is a frustration and it is something that you look at and I'm sure other people will look at and also be concerned about. But it's easily one that can be rectified next season because you go, okay, it's a different league this year. Maybe I'm just going to have to work that little bit harder in the gym. And, and as you say, I appreciate it. It's not a full-time sport. But maybe I'm just going to have to go work that little bit harder. Maybe I'm going to have to go seek some additional advice from outside with a personal trainer or with a fitness guru. We've got, we have a partnership with everyone active. Utilize them to turn around and go, okay, I'm just going to do... And as you say, you don't want guys bulking up massively so that they can't skate because they've completely they've worked on worked on the upper body, done not much on the lower body. You want a good cardio. Um, and I, I just feel that that, that can be one of the negatives from this season that easily and simply can become a positive in the years to come. Yeah, it can. Um, I think, do you know what? I think, and I'm not making excuses here, the last two years before this one of the NIHL one Britain, I think was a, I don't know, almost an opportunity for players to say, all right, I don't need to push myself that hard anymore because it wasn't as tough as what they were used to. Those that were coming from EPL were used to a much tougher league schedule. They were used to much tougher games, faster skaters, harder hits. And then you got to mix in the traditional NIHL one teams. And I don't mean this disrespectfully, who weren't as fast, weren't as hard hitting. And I think perhaps players thought, okay, maybe this doesn't need quite the same commitment that it did used to. And then this season has perhaps come as a bit of a shock because the lower end teams that were on the whole for most NIHL one Britain teams, you know, the games that you would expect to win, those are no longer there. 
And I think the one thing about this league is that everybody can be everybody. I, you know, Leeds, Telford, 1-10. Leeds could easily beat Telford. Uh, if you look at Bracknell, Swindon. Bracknell have beaten Swindon. Everybody could be everybody, but it needs application and it needs everything to be firing. Now, as I said earlier, we have the talent, we have the capability. What we've not had this year is the consistency. Sometimes within the game, we've had that awful sluggish start and that has cost us. And that would be perhaps the reason why a lot of those one-goal games have gone against us because we were playing catch-up from the fact that we took the first three minutes of the game off. But we equally have the potential to go out there and to win every game that we compete in. So we need to now be saying, right, consistency. We go out, we win Saturday, we play a consistent game on Sunday. We win on Sunday, we've got four points in the bag. And that needs to be the goal from now on. I wouldn't suggest we're going to go on the run in and win every single game. I don't think any team is going to win every single game from here on in in this league. But I think that we need to be aiming for consistency of performance for A, 60 minutes and B, every game. Indeed. And do you know what? We're going to end it on a, a, a real plus for me this season. Yep. The Bees Radio Network. Uh, I think it has been a real plus. And I appreciate we're a little being a little bit self-indulgent here. But a real plus for us this season has been the listening figures across the uh, the radio channel. Last night's game, Hull. We know Hull, we, for some reason, uh, the internet in Humber is very strong when it comes to internet radio uh, because we had over 1,400 listeners to the game last night. And I appreciate actually looking around. There were various people across the league with various teams having nights off as well. Um, and I know there are a lot of Bracknell fans who couldn't make the game but tuned into the radio network it really warmed our hearts when you sit there and you see that many people tuning in to listen. You go, this is good. This is what it's all for. And even more so if you guys on Patreon have gone, yep, we really like what you guys do. We're going to give you a little bit of extra money to and, and allow you to do this podcast and allow you to improve the equipment around you as well. It, it has been a real plus. We, and I think it's fair to say 21 episodes in, when we sit down for this on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or whenever I can be bothered to join you, Mark, it really is a pleasure to sit here and do this, knowing the reception that it receives as well. Do you know what? I mean, I, I think the feedback that we receive makes it worthwhile. It really does. Because, I mean, last night and the week before and the week before that, we've got some great feedback on Twitter. And that's not being arrogant. That's being humble. You know, thank you so much. And it's great to know that what we're doing is so well received and so well appreciated. I think, you know, it's been great to be involved in knowing that so many people are getting enjoyment, I guess, from it. Yeah, and it, and it makes it all really worthwhile. It makes it just an absolute joy. It, it just makes it, you know, it has been some tough times this season. We can't sit here and deny this. Uh, but it has been just an absolute pleasure to be able to bring you this season, to document this season in this way. And of course, this weekend, there is no Bees Radio Network. It's two away games, the Raiders on Saturday, the Pirates on Sunday. And it will be nice for us just to rest our vocal cords. We both got coughs and colds. We both, um, Mark, at the start of the season, um, got laid down with quite a bad infection, wasn't it, at the start of the season? Yeah, it was, it really yeah. knocked you to six. 
Yeah. Um, and then throughout the year, we've both had various Here coughs. We are. In just Here as bad are. a condition as the players, aren't we? Carrying little niggles <laughs> week to week. Yeah, I mean, I'm listed day to day with 24 hour flu. I can't deny yeah. that. So, um, but yeah, it, it has been a joy. We've got another couple of months, hopefully a little bit longer, uh, but we've got another couple of months alongside you. And I, I still believe, I, I honestly do. I'm not just saying this because I still believe we are going to be a team that will be in the playoffs. I still believe there is a chance that we will be able to shock someone in the playoffs. Because if it comes together, we have proven during the course of the season, there is absolutely no reason why we cannot compete with anybody in this league. No. And, you know, I do think if we can get the consistency now, what that will do, if we can get the consistency and if we can hit form, consistent form, what that will do is that will give momentum and confidence as well. and. I'm willing to bet confidence in the unit is not high right now. Um, But if we can string together a bit of form, a bit of consistency and a few results, then we will start building confidence. Confidence will then add to the form and the consistency. And I think we will therefore become an even more difficult proposition for any team that we face, whether that is a regular season game or whether it's a playoff game. Indeed. Right then, let's sign it off there for this week, Mark. Um, I think we've really got into a lot of topics there. Pleasure as ever. How can fans stay up to date with all the latest from the TSI World Bracknell Bees? Well, if you're on the website, then that'll be bracknellbees.com. If you are a Facebook user, uh, it's Bees Ice Hockey. Twitter is where the updates will be from the weekend's two away games. That is Bees Ice Hockey as well. And of course, if you like your photos, you can check out the Bees Instagram at the Bracknell Bees. Wonderful stuff as ever, Mark. Let's rest our voices up. We'll be back with the podcast next week for all of you on Patreon. And we really do continue to appreciate all of your support for all that you're doing for us. Uh, Mark, pleasure as ever. Thank you, Graham. And thank you to each and every one of you for listening. And until next time, it's goodbye. That's right. That's right. Bees Radio Network. BracknellBees.com.